Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Today, today the message titled, it sounds like a poem or perhaps some novel or something, but listen to this. Golden coins of twisted truth. Oh, doesn't that sound like you know, some adventure? Sam, doesn't that sound like an adventure? You know, I mean, come on now. That should spark some, you know, some little, uh, you know, what's it going to be about? Golden coins of twisted truth. I have a couple of concerns in the 21st century for the whole earth, for the generation that we serve. And in, in this 21st century, I've become spiritually aware of two great concerns facing the body of Christ. First is the doctrine of the gospel of Christ. You know, we cannot afford to be ignorant of the truth of the power of God's word. Uh, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can save a soul. I am concerned about those who learn to practice Christianity instead of coming to know the person of Christ. I'm concerned of those who are following some good moral religious trail or some teachings I'm concerned about those who are learning to be better and learning to be good without inviting Jesus Christ, the Savior of their soul, into their life. Because we can learn to be good and we can walk good all of our lives and we can do good things and we can be moral. We can even appear to be religious. But unless we are born again through the faith that comes from knowing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and gave his life for us, unless we are born again... Being good will get you nothing in eternity. I am concerned about those who learn to practice Christianity instead of coming to know the person of Christ. Only a personal relationship with Jesus can save us. The second concern I have is twisted truth. What in the world is twisted truth? Well, the Bible is very clear. Now, we may not know it, we may not like it, or we may not live it. But the Bible is clear about what God expects, about what God wants, about what God hopes, about what he dreams, about what God is working for. The Bible is clear. But I am concerned about those who mix the word of God with human philosophy and embrace it as truth. I'm concerned about those who take their experiences in life and and. and, and shadow the Word of God with their experiences so their experiences or their philosophies or their ideologies overshadow the Word of God. I am concerned about those who embrace humanistic viewpoints on par with God's holy Word. It's dangerous. This morning we're going to take a brief look at a very familiar passage of Scripture to reveal how a little truth can be deceiving. How a little truth can be deceiving. In fact, nothing can deceive us quite like the truth. We'll find out a little more about that later. We're going to be going to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we'll be in chapter 3. And I'll be reading the first six verses this morning to set the stage for what we're going to talk about. Golden coins of twisted truth. Verse 1, reading from the New King James Version. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, 
Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Now, Before we begin our studies in earnest this morning, allow me to deconstruct and reconstruct the accepted image of Eve this morning. I think that Eve has gotten a raw deal, okay? I want us to take a look at what God says about Eve and not what perhaps we have imagined or perhaps the voice that we have read this in. You know, whenever you get an email or a text or a letter, uh, you put your own voice inflections in on it. You know how that works, you know? And, and, and sometimes you can make it sound like perhaps it didn't sound. And I think that Eve has been the victim of many uh, wonderful messages that probably made a good difference, but nonetheless cast her in a rather dim light. I'm not making excuses for what she did, but I would like us to think about how God saw Eve before we begin our studies in earnest. You see, the Bible does not paint Eve as an evil-hearted, rebellious, nagging, have-it-my-way, selfish kind of woman that we may have imagined. She was God's first daughter, (laughs) He made her with his own hands from a rib that he took from Adam, whom he had created from the dust of the ground. Eve was pure and innocent. She was kind because she had the nature and the spirit of God. She was filled with the life of God. She had all the fruits of the spirit. She was filled with love and joy and patience and peace and goodness and gentleness and faith and faithfulness and humility and and self-control. She had the Spirit of God. That's the only life that she had. She was a new creation. Eve's very first breath came from the nostrils of God. Well, of course, she loved God. She loved her father. I mean, this is the only existence she ever knew. She loved her father, and her father loved her. Eve walked with God and talked with God in the coolness of the evening with her husband Adam in a garden that God had made for them to live in, special just for them. There has never been and there will never be another woman as good as Eve. Oh my goodness, I'm stepping on a doctrine or two here. But listen to me. This is the only woman ever born, the only woman ever created without sin. She knew no sin. She was not born in sin. Sin had never been a part of her mind, never been a part of her past, never been a part of her history. She was perfect in all her ways. She was intelligent. 
She was capable. She was beautiful. And she was godly. Eve was the one woman that God chose to be the mother of all living. She, along with Adam, they were given dominion over all the works of God's hands. And all of the beasts of the fields were subject to them and even the serpents. Perhaps we might see her as the queen of Eden. Given a role to play by God. Told to keep and to tend the garden for God. Told to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all the works. Everything that God created was under her governance. She was the queen with rights and with responsibilities. When the serpent approached Eve with his question, the question must have seemed reasonable. I mean, after all, who else would the serpent ask? But one made like unto God, and one set over them to guide them and guard them, to protect them and provide for them. Who else would the serpent ask? He was the submissive one in this story. He was not the ascendant one. He was not the powerful one. He was not the one in charge. He was not her peer. He was not her equal. He was her subject. She had been given authority and dominion over him. It was reasonable for her to imagine that perhaps he needed information. Perhaps he needed instruction. Perhaps he needed some correction. Maybe he did not fully understand what God intended in the garden. She could have easily felt it was her responsibility to answer his query. After all, he is one of her subjects. After all, she represents God in the earth. After all, she had been placed over him. Why did the devil choose him? Because he was cunning. He was he was the most cunning of all the creatures that God had created. It's perhaps understandable why Eve stopped and talked with him. Maybe she felt it was her responsibility. She didn't have to. She was queen. She could have kept going. But she certainly did not recognize him as the devil. He looked like one of her subjects. She did not know that he was the enemy of God. Certainly, there's no indication here that she recognizes him for who he is. There's a voice speaking out of him. And perhaps he doesn't even realize that he is speaking with a voice not his own. Maybe these thoughts were planted in his mind. Maybe these thoughts were planted in, in his world. We don't know. We can't know. But we do understand here that this question is reasonable little did she realize this was the devil in disguise working through someone she had no reason not to trust but he had an agenda he had an agenda he knew where he was going with this she didn't he knew what he wanted she didn't 
Little did she know it was the devil in disguise. Eve failed to recognize the enemy speaking through one of her subjects. Her fault was not willful. Her fault was not rebellious. Her fault was not purposeful that she wanted to destroy her family and destroy the earth. That was not her intent. Eve simply mistook the serpent's motives. She imagined him sincere. She miscalculated his intent. There's no excuse for her sin. I'm not saying that. But I am sharing with you today the consideration that she is a victim here, a victim of the devil's deception, of someone that she trusted, of someone that was on her turf, of someone that was in her garden, of someone that she felt kind toward and responsible over. And here she answered a simple question. She was not used to walking around her garden on guard protecting herself from her father's creations. The devil snuck in unaware. The serpent was chosen to work through because he was so sneaky, so cunning. He snuck in unaware. And by the way, this is the same tactic he uses today. You can read about it. The Apostle Paul telling Timothy about those who creep in unaware, who, who, who come in even to the church, come in unaware, even to families sneaking in unaware because they have an agenda. And they lead vulnerable lives captive. The moment Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, Let's just call it an apple. It could have been dragon fruit, I guess. You know, it could have been passion fruit, but we'll call it an apple. Okay? The Bible doesn't say. But when Eve took that first bite, sin was born. Not on purpose, not out of a heart of rebellion, but rather because Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived. She believed that she was doing what was best for her and her family. She did not know it was the devil. One of the biggest problems with deception is that it's so deceptive. If you know you are deceived, guess what? You're not deceived. We can know that someone is attempting to deceive us, and we can know that we have been earlier deceived, but we cannot know if we are now deceived. Because the moment you know that you're being deceived now, you are no longer being deceived. You have become an informed participant. Giving your consent to be led down a path of destruction. Perhaps the most damaging sin in the world. Perhaps the most dangerous and damaging sin in the world is not the sin which is born from an evil heart. Is not the sin which is born from a rebellious spirit, but perhaps the most damaging sin in the world is a result of deception. Why? Because this is the sin which a believer will defend and even back up with the twisted word of God. Deception can lead us to believe a lie. And believing a lie, we can even take the Word of God to cover that lie and misapply and twist and misrepresent the Word of God and cover our deception. 
The devil wants to deceive every child of God. He wants to distract us. He wants to detour us, derail us. He wants to destroy our lives. Why? Because he already has all the lost people. The devil's not after lost people. He's already got lost people. He's after saved people. He's after the children of God. Why? Because if he can derail, detour, and destroy your witness, if he can control your life, it will help him to guarantee that no more lost are going to be saved. Who wants to be like you if you're born again and live in the twisted word of God? God left us a Bible account of this original deception so that we could understand the strategy and avoid the pitfalls that these temptations bring us to believe a lie. What steps did the devil take to deceive God's precious little girl? I'm going to give you six things that not only are found here, but these six things are also found in Luke, the fourth chapter, in the temptations of Christ. The devil has the same tactic, without which these steps, without these steps, he's probably unable to deceive. What's he looking for? He's looking for one small crack in your mind, one small crack in your life. He looked for it in Jesus' life. He's looking for a place to drop a seed of deception. Number one. What did the devil do to deceive Eve and attempt to do to deceive Jesus and will do to me and you? Number one, he opened a dialogue with a hidden agenda. He opened a dialogue. You see, the serpent was cunning, more cunning than any beast of the field that God had made. And he gave Eve no reason to imagine that his request was not sincere. Read it at face value. Can you imagine being the queen of your garden, the queen of Eden, and all of a sudden, one of your subjects comes and lowly, submissively, with no ill intent presented, a voice speaking out of them, saying, listen, I have a question. Has God said, does God want us to, to not eat of every tree of the garden? At face value, it appears he only wanted to understand the word and the will of God, but he had a hidden agenda. He knew where he was going. She didn't. He knew where he was leading her. She didn't. He was manipulating her. He was leading her. He was deceiving her. His ultimate goal was to get Eve to do what he wanted, not what God wanted. She could have said anything. He didn't mind. We cannot know if this was the first time that he had attempted to deceive Eve or if it was the 101st time. We don't know how many different animals he may have used or situations or how many times he tried it with, with Adam perhaps. We don't know, but we do know that God gave us one account of the one time that it worked. He opened a dialogue, which is critical. And he had a hidden agenda. Number two, he shared common ground. I mean, if you're going to get somebody to talk to you, you got to share some common ground, right? 
Because he, he had to have her talk. I mean, how many times did Jesus tell, uh, uh, suffer the demons not to speak? Shut up. Don't talk. Don't want to talk to you. Wow. He had to share some common ground. The devil used a non-threatening approach. He came to her in the form of a serpent. Had he come to her with his tail, you know, and bifurcated tail and a pitchfork, wearing a red suit with horns, she probably wouldn't have listened. But he came to her in a very familiar form. In the form of one of her subjects that she was familiar with in the garden. That God had created and put in the garden one of the familiar things she saw every day that had never presented a threat. And he came to her in her garden. It was on her turf. It was on her terms. He came to her. She's the queen. He came to her, you know, non-threatening. And he made a very simple request. Which would have seemed rude for her not to have answered. I mean, she didn't have to answer. She's the queen. She could have just said, eh, forget it. I mean, she may have done that five times before. But he knew. He was banking. He was banking on the fact that she was godly. He was banking on the fact that she was filled with the Spirit of God and therefore filled with kindness and filled with goodness and filled with patience and filled with temperance. That she was filled with love and filled that she cared. And he was also banking that she would feel some level of responsibility for sharing the Word of God with him to help him. I mean, this was a setup. So he appealed to her kindness. Just answer my question. I have a question, O queen. O queen, can you help me? What does God expect of us? Has God said, when you read in the King James, it sounds like a, a command or an argument. It's not put forth as an argument. It's put forth as a query. Does the word of God Say, do, has, has God told you not to eat of every tree in the midst of the garden? Eve probably felt a sense of responsibility to help this serpent understand her father's will. It was critical, however, to the devil's plan that he engage her in conversation. His plan would not work if he could not engage her in conversation. He only needed her to open her mind just a little. If he could... You know, I don't know how many times he had tried it before, but if he could just get her to, to open her mind just a little, he can drop a seed in there of his will, not God's will, of what he wants. <laughs> this plays out over and over and over and over every day in so many ways. Number four, he offered comfort for her greatest fear. Well, hold on. She's perfect. She's in the garden. What in the world could Eve be afraid of? Well, there's only one punishment that God gave them. He told them, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And he said, and by the way, if you eat of that, you're going to die. <laughs> okay? I mean, my goodness, that's that one big punishment that's out there. That had to be the only thing that she could be concerned about is if I put my hand to that fruit, I will die. 
And so that's what she says to him. He, he asked her a question. Did God say not to eat of every tree of the garden? She could have said, well, yes, you know, God does not want us to eat of every tree of the garden. Don't eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And, uh, uh, you know, that, 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 that could have been, that, that could have been it. But, but whenever she threw in, as he needed her to talk, he needed to find a weak spot. He needed to find something in her life. He needed to find some way to penetrate uh, what, what she was feeling. And so, uh, you know, she added, uh, you know, don't even touch it. I mean, I, I, I didn't even touch it. And, and we don't have a record of God saying that. But evidently, it is born out of some, you know, conscious consideration here. If I eat that or even if I touch it, I'm going to die. I don't know what die is, but it's going to happen to me. And it sounds bad. So he offered her some comfort. He gave her something that she wanted to hear. You'll surely not die. You will surely not die. Okay, now listen. Offering someone comfort from something that they're concerned about, afraid of, something that's in their mind, this is one of the quickest ways to get into their head. I don't want to pick on any profession. What profession could I use? I don't know. I'll just use a salesman. Okay. Telemarketer. <laughs> no matter what you tell them that you're concerned about. Now, first of all, they have to open the dialogue. If you hang up, it's, a, you know, they have to open a dialogue. They will call, you know, 10,000 people with their computer looking for that one person that will talk to them. If you don't talk, you don't have a problem. Hang up. Hang up. Hang up. Hang up. On the devil, hang up. Okay? And it doesn't have to be in your ears. It can be in your mind that the devil wants to open a dialogue with you in your mind. And if he can get you to talk to him, he has an agenda. You don't know he has an agenda. He has an agenda. And if he can get you to talk back to him in your mind and start talking to him, he's going to finally figure out what you're afraid of. He's going to finally figure out why you don't want to buy a timeshare. And then he's going to tell you, oh, I didn't cover that one. Oh, don't worry about that. Well, no, I don't, ha I don't have $400 a month. Well, how much do you have? Well, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't imagine spending more than 103. You know, we have this program for 103. <laughs> no matter what you say, he's going to do his best to bring you some comfort from the one thing, from the one argument that you have, the one thing you're afraid of, the one reason you don't want to. And listen, this plays out every day, okay? Things that people say trying to make us feel safe. Things that I've said to other people trying to make them feel, do what I want. Have you ever said anything like, uh, I mean, trying to get people to do something you want? All of our children are gone, but I'm always concerned one's in here. I started to entitle this, Things That Men Say, or Boys Say to Girls on a Date. <laughs> Nobody will know. Hello? It's just between me and you. Don't worry, I've got this. You know, what have you got to lose? Uh, it's not going to cost you anything to do this. I mean, I mean, surely you're not going to. You know, I mean, come on, give it a try. Trust me, just once. If you don't like it, I'll stop. Hello? 
if anyone has ever said that to you, or if you have ever said that to anybody else, whether you knew it or not, you was being used by the devil. It was the devil. Speaking through you, me, and we may not have even known it. Trying to get someone to do something that God doesn't want them to do, but we want them to. Oh, come on. This is good word. You don't have to be evil hearted. You don't have to be, uh, you know, rebellious and, and ungodly to fall prey to some deception that's coming in the Garden of Eden from someone that was trusted. He had his own agenda. If the devil would ever have said, Eve, eat that apple. <laughs> She'd have said, no way. Uh -uh, I ain't going to do it. But do you know that this cunning, patient, sneaky serpent whom the devil was using to speak through he never one time asked Eve to do anything outside of God's will. He presented himself as a champion of God's will. He never asked her to eat of that forbidden fruit. He only opened a door of dialogue, shared a common ground, appealed to her kindness, offered her some comfort, and then what did he do? As soon as he said, you'll not surely die, he dropped a golden coin of truth. For God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, you shall, you shall have your eyes opened and you shall become as God, knowing good and evil. That is the truth. Boom. That's the truth. That's the word of God. That's the truth. Now, what happens? How does deception happen? Well, you open a dialogue, okay? You share some common ground. You appeal to someone's, you know, kindness and goodness. You offer them a little comfort from any of the arguments they might have that they don't want to do what you want them to. You give them a little, you know, uh, I'll cover that. It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. And then you drop a little word on it. After all, God wants us to be happy. Truth. A little twisted truth. But nothing sounds to a believer. Nothing sounds like truth sounds. Truth hits us somewhere different. Truth, we are, we are created to respond to truth. We are created, and, and, and truth, all you do is drop a little, a, a little truth. You know, I mean, he tried it with Jesus, don't you remember? I mean, when he found out he couldn't get through to Jesus, what was the last thing the devil did? Well, listen, Jesus, the Bible says. 
that, that, uh, that, you know, the angels will bear you up lest your foot dash against a stone. I mean, this is the will of God. It's going to get you what you want. You're not going to have to go to the cross. You're going to get to be ruler of all the kingdoms. I mean, come on now. You're going to get some food. You're going to get promotion. And this is the will of God for your life. I mean, the word of God confirms it. But Jesus didn't go for it. Not one crack in his armor. But there wasn't Eve's. With the truth. Like fertilizer. The twisted truth. Yes, God said that. You can read about it in, 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 in uh, the, the 22nd verse. God says that they've become like one of us to know good and evil. They have become like a God. Their eyes have been opened. I mean, it was the truth. It's the truth. It happened, but not like God wanted it to happen. Not when, not where, and not how God wanted it to happen. The devil knows the power of the truth in the life of a believer. And nothing can seal deception better than a little truth. Truth can be so deceiving. He was looking for a small crack into which perhaps a seed might drop. The misapplied, twisted truth, that golden coin. Well, this is the same tactic that the devil used on Jesus in the wilderness. Let me give you number six. The one final step that the devil took with both Jesus and with Eve. He just left the seed there. In Eve's mind. Maybe it'll take root. Maybe it'll grow. He wanted to give it a little time to see if he'd made an impact in her life. And certainly you know what she did. She looked at the tree. She just thought about it. It, it, it got to her. It got to her. We don't know whether it was a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 100 years. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Bible says that, that it got to her. And in her mind, that seed began to germinate and fertilized by that truth that she had received. She opened up her mind to truth and, 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 the, and the devil's deception got in with it. And, and all of a sudden, she desired it to make her wise. And, 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 and she looked at it. It was a good tree to her. And, and, and then, boom, she took of it and she ate. What would have happened had it not worked? Well, the same thing that happened to Jesus. Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 13. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation of Jesus, he departed from him until a more opportune time. Believe me, the devil's not finished trying to deceive us. If it didn't work last time, he'll try again. He won't take no for an answer. Of course, Jesus recognized the devil. Eve did not. Well, let me cut to the chase here. My concerns are twofold. Number one is that we're teaching people, if we're not watchful, we're teaching them to practice Christianity instead of embrace the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Number two, my concern is that we are allowing ourselves to accept humanism, experiences. You know, 
poems to be mixed with the Word of God. We've watered down the Word. Only the Word of God can save souls. We cannot take humanistic ideology, mix it with the Word of God, embrace it as truth, and expect it to save. How do we recognize and resist the temptations to be deceived? Number one, never fully trust someone with a self-serving agenda. Whether it's coming to your thoughts in your nighttime, oh, the devil loves to get you by yourself somewhere, in a closet, you know, in bed, and you know, in a, you know, driving down the road, and begin to work on you, open a conversation, a dialogue with you in your head, and begin to talk to you, because he has an agenda. He wants to derail you. He wants to create some common ground. He wants to tell you how you can get what you want. Listen, never fully trust someone with a self-serving agenda, especially if they're trying to hide it. If someone has something to gain and they won't take no for an answer, beware. Amen? That's good stuff. Number two, don't go for anything that is advertised as being all about you. Here, Jesus will give you all the kingdoms. Here, Jesus, have some food. Here, Jesus, get some angels to show up. Here, Eve, you know, you can be like God. Here's you, 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 you. It's all about you. Listen, somebody calls you on the telephone and tells you they got something and it's all about you. Don't believe them. If that guy with that real estate book was really making all that money selling real estate, he wouldn't be selling books. Deception. Because the deceiver not only wants you to be deceived, but he wants you to deceive others. I've got this plan, you see. You can make a million dollars. You just got to get 10 of your best friends to give me $100. And they get 10 of their best friends to give me $100. They get their 10 And as soon as we get 5,960 people on your fourth level, then you will make $10. You will be on your way. It's all about you. I'm here to help you get rich. Okay, don't go for anything that's all about you. You know, um, Eve fell for the promise that she was going to get everything she wanted. Number three, just simply resist every temptation to disobey God's word. Just, just don't. Just don't. Since God said, you know, don't create false gods and, you know, don't use his name as a cuss word. We're talking about the Big Ten here. Honor your parents. Don't murder or say bad things about people. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery even in your thoughts. Don't lie. Don't mislead. Don't deceive. Don't imagine uh, that, that what somebody else has should be yours. Since, I mean, these are the Big Ten. Don't do it. Don't let the devil trick you for any good reason. Thinking it's going to make you better. It's not. Since the Bible says love your neighbor, guess what you ought to do? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. 